welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we're going to be previewing the Magic Kingdom's 50th anniversary, which kicks off on October 1st this week. So there's a lot of new stuff coming to the Magic Kingdom on October 1st. So we wanted to, to touch on that if you're looking to plan a trip, but also want to take some time to look back at the, the history of the Magic Kingdom and, and what it was like on opening day and how the park has changed over these past 50 years. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to touch on the Disney news for the week. So last week we talked about Rise of the Resistance moving off the virtual boarding group over at Hollywood Studios. So that went into effect this past week. Wait times got up to about three to four hours uh, for a standby line. So pretty significant wait times comparable to what Flight of Passage used to get when it was new. It would get up there, you know, three plus hours a day. It does seem like, though, that that is really just right in the morning first thing. So a lot of people are there on rope drop trying to rush in and get on that attraction because later in the day, it has gotten down to 45 minutes or so, even to an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, you know, I saw like almost kind of near park close the last hour of the day. It was maybe even only a half an hour. So it seems like if you want to go ride it, first thing in the morning is probably not the best time to go, whereas typically rope drop is. But it seems like right when the park opens is when it's its longest wait time. Yeah, there's no way I, I would wait three to four hours to ride Rise. It's a great ride. I enjoy it, but I don't think that, you know, there are other things you can do. You could ride every other ride in the entire park in those three to four hours um, and then come back and probably wait a lot less time. So I definitely think that the better thing to do would be to wait till later in the day to do it so that you're only waiting 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, I'm actually interested to see what happens once we get into the 50th because I, I don't think crowds are as heavy as they will be in a few weeks. I still think this is a little bit of a slower period. And that's why you see first thing in the morning, it's very crowded. And probably a lot of people, they've either ridden it or they just leave Hollywood Studios. And so that's why later in the day, it's a pretty reasonable wait time. So I'm interested to see if this kind of holds that it's maybe like 45 minutes to an hour, because I honestly think at that level, I don't see a lot of people paying extra to ride this as part of Disney Genie. So I wonder if Disney will move back to a virtual queue, because again, 45 minutes isn't that long to wait. An hour is not that long to wait versus paying 15 or $20 to ride it. But if you have a virtual queue and all of those go at 7 a.m., then you're more likely to maybe pay for it if you don't have the opportunity to stand in line. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I think that right now they're just trying to work out just kind of like they tried the market with releasing movies on Disney Plus and then trying to release them in theaters. I think right now they're doing the exact same thing with trying to figure out how they could probably make the most money with this Disney Genie app. Exactly. And speaking of Disney Plus, Disney announced that Disney Plus Day will be November 12th. So that's on the anniversary of Disney Plus. So Disney Plus is going to be two years old coming up here. And it sounds like this may be a new annual thing, kind of like how Amazon has Prime Day and they have all the you know special deals and, and stuff uh, for Prime Day that Disney is going to have this Disney Plus day where they release new content and kind of, you know, make a big deal and have a lot of new stuff coming out on this day. Yeah, and the most the most exciting of which is season 2 of The World According to Jeff Goldblum. We've yeah. been waiting for it and it is coming. We have. So we're getting episodes 1 to 5, which is interesting um because a lot of these shows on Disney Plus are one episode a week. But we're getting uh, like half the season uh, of Jeff Goldblum, so that's great for season. Hopefully, two. it's a fifty-episode season. 
Maybe they just release them in groups of five. That'd be great. But we're also, this will also be the date that Shang-Chi and the Jungle Cruise are available for free on Disney Plus. The Disney Plus original movie, Home Sweet Home Alone, uh, will premiere on on the 12th. We're also getting a series code called Olaf Presents. And it sounds like all episodes will be available, so you'll be able to binge it. And this is what I think everybody's been asking for. And it is Olaf just recapping classic Disney movies. So if you've seen Frozen 2, he recaps Frozen 1. And after that, everybody's been looking for him to recap more movies. So Disney finally delivered. This would, I think, almost be the way to improve the storybook canal in Disneyland is if you just had Olaf retell the stories and Retheme it to, uh-huh. to be like Olaf retelling yeah. the tales. Yeah. Maybe it's coming, but we're getting a whole series <laughs> of Olaf uh, retelling classic Disney tales. So I imagine those will be a few minutes long, and that's probably why they're just releasing all of them at once. Because in total, you know, it's probably going to be a half an hour worth of stuff. It's not like they're going to be long episodes, but that that's really exciting. And they also announced we're going to be getting Marvel and Star Wars sneak peeks of upcoming projects. So I imagine for Star Wars, that will be... Um, something around Boba Fett, maybe some Mandalorian footage, probably the Obi-Wan series, which I believe has wrapped filming. You know, Marvel has a ton of movies in the pipeline between Doctor Strange 2, Thor Love and Thunder, plus we have the Hawkeye series uh, and and Miss Marvel. So I think we'll, we'll get to see a lot of that, maybe some announcements of some future movies we're not aware of yet. So it sounds like Disney is really putting a lot into this Disney Plus day, and I think it will only grow uh, as years go on. Right, exactly. I mean, you know what? November can be a little bit of a slow time, a little bit of a uh, time, especially if you're on the northern hemisphere. So, yeah. It'll make your birthday better. Your birthday's around there. You say nothing happens in November. Now you got Disney Plus Day. Exactly. Something to look forward to. All right. And then the last piece of news, and this will kind of lead into our discussion about the 50th anniversary of Magic Kingdom, is that the two new shows that are coming on October 1st, Harmonious over at Epcot and Disney Enchantment at the Magic Kingdom. Disney is actually going to be live streaming performances of them September 29th and 30th. So they're going to be live streaming Harmonious on September 29th and the Disney Enchantment on September 30th. So for anyone who's interested in seeing these new shows who may not be able to get to the parks in the near future, but you, you need to see them kind of as soon as they come out, you can check out the, the Disney Parks live stream. They'll be live streaming these shows. But if you are somebody that wants to go see them in person, um, they are, are kicking off October 1st. So want to get into kind of everything that's going on uh, at the 50th anniversary, which is going to be kicking off October 1st at the Magic Kingdom. It is the Magic Kingdom's 50th anniversary, but there's a lot of stuff just in Walt Disney World in general that's been kind of refreshed and added. And we've talked a lot about these different pieces, I think, in the news in the past, kind of piecemeal. Right, but, but we've never talked about it all together. Yeah, but exactly. Kind of wanted to put it all together and, again, kind of touch on the history of the Magic Kingdom a little bit. And, and if you're looking to plan a trip, to head down for the 50th over the next year or something, and you're looking for a travel agent, be sure to reach out to Becky Ginther at Castle Dreams Travel and let her know Enchanted Ears sent you. We will put her email in the description below. So the first thing we'll start with is the fireworks and shows that are happening. So Disney Enchantment at Magic Kingdom, Harmonious at Epcot. I'll be really interested to see they're going to be adding projection mapping to the castle over at the Magic Kingdom. Happily Ever After, I love that show. So it'll be interesting to see if they can top that. Harmonious, we'll finally get to see if those barges are worth it or not. (laughs) Um, So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, And then over at Animal Kingdom, we're getting Kite Tales, which kind of seems like 
hey, they had a thousand dollars, so let's put some kites together. <laughs> I'm sure that some of those kites are are a thousand dollars. Yeah, we'll, we'll put a new show together over I, there. I'm, yeah, I'm still really interested to see that one. If they do not sell miniature versions of those kites as merchandise at some point during the 50th celebration, they are missing out on an incredible money maker because I would buy a kite ver- a miniature kite version right. I could take home of Zazu. Abs- but I don't know that I necessarily see, need to see a uh, life like a giant Zazu flying absolutely. around. Absolutely, especially since we learned, you know, our local park is basically on the top of a hill, and even when there's no wind anywhere else, there seems to be a, quite a hefty wind up there. So it would be perfect to fly one of those kites. I look forward to seeing Enchantment again. I think it has big shoes to fill. I think that it'll probably be big and exciting. Um, harmonious. Uh, yeah, those, those barges, man. I think I, it's going to be a good show. I mean, I think I'm really going to enjoy the show, but the question's going to be, is it do, worth it? Do we need the barges to make the show this good that during the whole day, it's kind of an eyesore. I'll be interested to see too, if they have the fountains turned on during the day, like they mentioned that, you know, they say, oh, it'll kind of help hide it during the day. So I'll be interested to see if they turn those on, but yeah, them just sitting out there uh, is definitely an eyesore. And I think that Kite Tales does have the potential to be really cool because from some of the previews that I've watched, it seems like there are some kites, but then there are some things going on down below as well, like smaller kites and maybe potential, like just little things that kind of help set the atmosphere. And I do really like that amphitheater, but I will say that's a big waterway for them to try to navigate and fill up. And it's it's going to take a lot to make that look really impressive, but hopefully they can get some characters on barges because that is my favorite thing now about being in Animal Kingdom is just those random uh, character cavalcades, but on uh, little boats. So I, I think that there's definitely potential there. It'll be interesting. And it's a day, it's a day show. It is during the day. Yeah. And, and I, and I'll say this, I mean, I do think it will be fun to see. I don't know that it's something that once you see it once, you really need to see it over again. And we were talking before this and I said, yeah, it's cool that they made these kites of all of these characters, but I mean, they're just kites. Like I would have almost been more impressed if they had like a drone that made it look like, you know, Zazu was flying just to see people walk around, you know, have kites on jet skis. I mean, it'll be cool to see once I'll definitely be interested to see it. We're, we're planning on going down, uh, you know, in October to see some of this stuff. So I will be interested to see how it looks in person, but I think it's like a one-time show and then you're probably done with it. Well, I will say, you know, they're not just kites. Um, you know, the Zazu one, whenever they actually showed it, up against people. I think they said it's like 20 feet. It's basically a Macy's Thanksgiving yeah, Day Parade, uh, you know, float. Yeah, I think they did say he inflates a bit. So uh, it, you're right. I mean, it is a large kite, but we'll see. It just depends on how far away it is. It might look kind of small. And with the fireworks shows, Disney's bringing back dessert parties and dining packages. So over at the Magic Kingdom, they're going to have a dessert party. It's a two-hour party. It's $93 a person, which... I find to be ridiculous. I mean, that just for free I, desserts and I, you get a good viewing spot of Disney Enchantment, but $93 a person. That's crazy. For for that much money, I hope that they would allow, like pack an extra stomach for you or something so that you could just eat as much as physically I mean, possible. Two hours is a long time, but I don't think you can eat $93 worth of desserts in two hours. That, Ooh, that sounds like a challenge. Yeah, that does sound like a challenge. <laughs> But then over at Epcot, they're having the dining packages. So you can either uh, have it at Spice Road or Rose and Crown. uh, And you have dining with being able to see Harmonious. So at Spice Road, I know you get two small plates. 
They have a dessert uh, platter and unlimited soft drinks. That's only $72 a person. To me, yes, that's expensive, but that seems more reasonable, especially at Spice Road because you're right on the water. You're going to have a great view of Harmonious. You actually get some substantial food and drinks with it. So it's a little bit better value, especially when you look at Magic Kingdom is $93 for just dessert. So but those are back uh, if you're interested. I know you know a lot of people like those because you do get you know food and then you do get to see uh, you know a good well, spot to see the yeah, shows. Yeah, I was gonna say you get those premium viewing places that you have to sit you have I mean, to sit hours for. before. Yeah, that's what you're paying if for. you if you're not if you're on the outside to try to get. So another thing that is going to be and already has been appearing in the parks is copious decorations a lot of things have changed been spruced up and the park is looking fresher and better than ever so one of the first things that they started to do was they started to fix up the castle the castle has iridescent and gold details everywhere there were ribbons and big banners um the, they painted the, the the roofs of the turrets like a dark blue uh, on there as well with the gold trim it looks great i, I will say the whole kind of sprucing up of all of the parks I think kind of snuck up on me. Like they've slowly been doing this over the past year or so. And I feel like they've been doing it so slow. You kind of miss everything they've done. And then whenever you like look at the list of just everything that happens and you see the parks and just all the new iridescence and the 50th uh, anniversary um, kind of artwork and everything everywhere. Like it looks great. And you just, and you think like, when did all of this happen? Like it just seems like it happened overnight because it just happened so slowly. But um, but yeah, some of this stuff look, looks great, but the castle looks beautiful in particular. Yeah, and another thing on the castle that I don't think I would have noticed if I hadn't read uh, Disney Food Blog's uh, article about the 50th, they point out that the banners on the pillars in the castle, a lot of them are different. So there are different animations on them. So I'll definitely be making my way around to some of those pillars to see what the different banners look like. Uh, Another thing is the statues, you know, the 50th, the Fab 50 that have been popping up all around the different parks are not just in the Magic Kingdom. Yeah. So these statues are pretty impressive. There's 50 of them. They have kind of like the iconic 50 characters. Like you said, they're throughout all the parks. The one thing that Disney mentioned when they first got announced is that they are going to have interactive features to them and the statues are out now. But from what I have seen, I haven't seen any like buddy mentioned how you can interact with them. So I don't know if that's something that's just going to happen starting on October 1st. So I'll be interested to see um, what happens there, but they're definitely, they talked about that. They're very incredibly detailed for kind of these like bronze statues because they did use like a whole different process to create them. So typically when you make bronze statues, you're just making like molds of molds of molds. Like it's like three or four different molds you have to make until you can actually create the final version where what Disney did is they essentially 3d printed uh, a mold and then cast it from there. So they eliminated like two to three iterations of molding, which allowed it to maintain a lot more detail. And when they realized that, you know, they, they went to the animators and they were able to really sculpt out a lot more, you know, detail to them. And they're pretty big. I think they mentioned the biggest one is like three feet tall. I mean, I've kind of seen pictures of like Pluto and Goofy. They seem pretty tall, but they look incredible and they're kind of spread out throughout the park. So you have to go find them. So I'm really looking forward to seeing them spread throughout the parks. And I'm also looking forward to seeing, are they interactive? How, how can you interact with them? Or is that something that Disney mentioned in a press release and then kind of just <laughs> quietly, uh, you know, got dropped off. 
And speaking of characters, also Mickey's Celebration Cavalcade will be making its way throughout the parks. So Mickey and Minnie and all of their friends uh, have all new costumes and they will all be in this uh, little cavalcade. So I'm looking forward to seeing them. Minnie's dress is just fabulous and all of them look amazing uh chip and dale are included so i look forward to seeing all of those characters in their new digs and as we mentioned it's not just the magic kingdom that's kind of getting plus for the 50th over at epcot remy's ratatouille adventure will be officially opening on october 1st along with the expansion of the france pavilion so we're going to get uh, the new restaurant over there the crepe de paris uh, which has sweet or savory crepes we also have uh, Space 220, which is now open. And then over at the Contemporary, we're getting Steakhouse 71. So a lot of new restaurants opening, new attractions. And again, this is just for October 1st. We have 18 months of the celebration. And we know Guardians is going to open at some point. Tron's going to open at some point during this. And I'm sure there's attractions uh, and events and surprises Disney has in store that they have not even announced yet. Yeah. And also a little side note about the creperie is there is a quick serve window too. So if you don't want to eat in, you can do the quick serve window for that place. Just a ton of stuff going on for October 1st. Like I said, we're, we're planning on, on going down sometime in October um, to kind of you know, catch some of this stuff, see the merch. I and mean, we haven't even talked about the merch. Like there's just a ton of merch and it all looks incredible. We joked it, about this a few weeks ago that I feel like I'm going to buy everything I see because <laughs> the, the iridescent color, I think they have like a huge winner with. That's like one of the best beautiful. colors they've ever done. And they have just, every, I mean, they have yeah. lounge flies. They have, you know, they're, you're going to have outfits for your new emos. You're going to have the yes. plushes with it on there. And it's just, they're going to be making so much money on merchandise alone. They'll make back whatever they spend yeah. on oh, doing this. Speaking of new emos, this kind of could go in news, but they just dropped a Jack Skellington and Sally new emo. So I, they are, they're actually pretty cute. I'm not. That's on Shop Disney. Yeah. Yeah. That's not like, you know, Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas isn't my favorite, but whenever I saw them, I'm like, oh yeah, those are winners. Those are really good ones. So check that out if you hadn't heard about it. Yeah, so a lot going on at the Magic Kingdom, and it's kind of crazy to think that the Magic Kingdom has been around for 50 years. You know, the Magic Kingdom did open on October 1st, 1971. And looking back on where the Magic Kingdom was then versus where it is today is pretty incredible. So they started construction around 1967. And one thing that I found interesting in kind of researching this is that the Seven Seas Lagoon is completely man-made. So that lagoon was not there. Disney made that and they actually excavated that out and used the dirt that they excavated out to raise the Magic Kingdom about 100 feet. Um, so, you know, it I, seems like there wouldn't be enough dirt to do that. I mean, they probably had to add more yeah, dirt. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> but they raised it about 100 feet. And I think, you know, a lot of Disney fans probably have heard of the Utilidors that are kind of underneath the Magic Kingdom. It's this you know network of corridors and hallways for cast members to get from one end of the park to the other without being seen. Because of Florida's like water table and because it's swamplands, they couldn't actually dig down. So the Utilidors are actually... So they on, dug up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the Utilidors are actually on the first level. And then that's why they then needed to you know, add a hundred feet. So the magic kingdom itself actually sits on like level two, if you think about it and the utilidor sit on level one. It, and it helps with the forced perspective too, because the castle is actually kind of above you when you come in the park. So it looks a little bit bigger. And I also read that they plan to use the utilidors in all of the theme parks, but it was too expensive. <laughs> and so there's, there's a, a small set like in Epcot, I think, but 
Um, it was just too expensive to include in all of the parks. The Magic Kingdom opened October 1st. The only resorts that opened with it were the Contemporary and the Polynesian. So it's just, it, it's crazy to imagine the Magic Kingdom with just those two resorts. Nothing else is there, just the Magic Kingdom. I, I looked at a, a map from um, around the opening and it's just so sparse because you don't have attractions like Space Mountain or Big Thunder Mountain Railroad or yeah. even Pirates of the Caribbean. It's so crazy to see that map and think just how much uh, undeveloped land they had at that point. And again, they didn't have, you know, it wasn't this like theme park destination that had all these parks and hotels and everything. It was the lagoon, two hotels, a monorail, a park. It's, it's crazy to think about that of what it was like whenever it opened. And one other thing that I, I always find kind of fascinating about the park opening is that it opened in October and then Roy Disney retired because, you know, he kind of saw that through and then he died two months later. It, it, it kind of blows my mind that, you know, it was like, I, I think it was coincidental, you know, he had a stroke, but it was his final, it was his final thing. Like it was, it was Walt's dream to build this park and he right. saw it through. Right. Exactly. So, you know, again, people say, uh, Disneyland is Walt's park and Disney World is Roy's park. It kind of is like he put all his you know, blood, sweat and tears, not like he built it himself, but into that. And then after that was over, that was pretty much it for him. Um, he didn't have very much left. But yeah, it, it's, I just think it's a really interesting fact. Kind of sad, but yeah, I mean, like, like you said, he, he retired immediately after and it, it was kind of like he gave everything he had yeah. to make sure he saw this through because that's what Walt wanted. And, and he was somebody who always figured out a way to make Walt dreams a reality. Mm -hmm. You know, Walt, Walt wanted to, to make an animated movie. You know, Roy had to find the financing and make it work. You know, and, and Walt and Roy, they, they always worked together well like that. Like, like Walt was the dreamer and Roy was like the money man, the, the realist that, that made it happen. And so, you know, he did it in exactly this way. I mean, you know, Walt dreamed about the Florida project and having this available and Roy worked to make it happen. And like you said, he retired after and it, um, you know, probably coincidental, his death was a couple months later, but it, it did. He kind of gave it everything he had to see this project through. And I also think that's probably one of the reasons why you see it's, it's pretty much a copy of Disneyland. You know, they had um, the similar lands that Disneyland has. So you had Main Street, Tomorrowland, Fantasyland, Frontierland, and Adventureland. Well, Disney World also opened with Liberty Square, which Disneyland does not have. And it basically had, I think, 23 attractions when it first opened, 20 of which were the same at Disneyland. So they were just kind of copies at Disneyland. But the one that kind of took me off guard is that the Haunted Mansion opened up with Disney World. I thought it was a little bit later than the opening of Disney World and it came later. But I think I was just thinking about how it didn't open with Disneyland. Exactly. Yeah, it actually opened in Disneyland in 1969. So a couple years before uh, Walt Disney World. So some of the attractions that were there on opening day were Country Bear Jamboree, Hall of Presidents, the Haunted Mansion, It's a Small World, Jungle Cruise, Mad Tea Party, Peter Pan's Flight. They had the Skyway um, there. Kind of forgot about that. That took you between uh, Fantasyland and Tomorrowland. So that was kind of like the precursor to the Skyliner that we have. Um, you also had Prince Charming's Regal Carousel, Snow White's Scary Adventures, S Swiss Family Treehouse, Tomorrowland Speedway. You had the Railroad, an Enchanted Tiki Room, along with uh, some fireworks shows and things. But 
you know, some notable attractions that weren't there opening day. Pirates of the Caribbean did not open opening day. <laughs> and they didn't think anybody in Florida would want to ride Pirates of the Caribbean, so they didn't include it. They were wrong, so it opened pretty quickly in 1973. Space Mountain opened in 1975. Carousel of Progress, which I was surprised about because I always thought that was an opening day attraction because the World's Fair uh, that it was built for was in 1964. So I always thought that that was uh, there on opening day, but it wasn't. It actually did not come into uh, the Magic Kingdom until 1975. Uh, and then Big Thunder Mountain happened in 1980. One attraction that opened very shortly after, it opened October 14th, 1971, so just a few weeks after opening, uh, was the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea uh, submarine voyage attraction. So it was not technically an opening day attraction, but it opened pretty shortly after. It's amazing because it's a pretty short list of attractions, you know, that were there opening day. And, you know, we think of Disney World today, you know, Magic Kingdom in particular has so many attractions and, uh, and so many things to do there that it would be odd to go there with only, you know, that list of 20 plus attractions. Uh, and again, th and, and this list was from uh, Touring Plans. Um, so thank you to, to Touring Plans uh, for providing the opening day attraction list. But yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing to think what wasn't there, but then also some of the originals that are still there today, like Haunted Mansion, Small World, uh, Jungle Cruise, Tiki Room, that, that have withstood 50 years um, and are still iconic to this day. That list is a little shocking. Um, yeah, you're missing a lot of the, the heavy hitters and, of course, some of the newer rides, too. But, yeah, some of those rides, I mean, have been there forever and they're iconic, you know, like Dumbo. Um, you know, we don't talk about Dumbo much because it's a kid's ride, but I remember being a kid. That was the ride I wanted to ride. Um, so that's that's a big one. And, you know, Peter Pan and yeah, and just a bunch of the ones that were taken from Disneyland, but it's a it was a really big accomplishment that they got it built, uh, got it built for what they got it built for too, four hundred million dollars to build. I, I guess it seems like an accomplishment now because I feel like materials and goods and work like it's just so much more today. It'd be two point six billion dollars to build, and that is interesting because you know two point six billion is a lot today, but if you look at the price of parks being built today, they cost a lot more than that. So Shanghai Disney that was built five years ago, that was $5.5 billion. If you look at Galaxy's Edge, I mean, those lands cost a billion dollars a piece. And so I think, I think it kind of goes to show, you know, $2.6 billion is a lot. But I don't, I don't think it was more than that because, again, if you look at the attractions, they're a lot simpler attractions. You know, you look at Galaxy's Edge, Rise of the Resistance itself, probably cost hundreds of millions of dollars Oh yeah you know and so that's why today like when these theme parks are being built and you know people are like oh why doesn't disney build another park because you know today you're, you'd have to spend five to six billion dollars to build a park to have the level of detail and attractions that people would want because quite honestly if you spent three billion dollars today and you know, the best attractions you had were Haunted Mansion and Jungle Cruise and It's a Small World. While they're great attractions, people aren't really going to visit that park that much. The they're reason, part of the reason why they're such great attractions is because they're historical. People appreciate that and say, wow, it's incredible. They built this back in the day. So without that knowledge, some of that magic is stripped away a little bit. Exactly. I mean, somebody's not going to want to go. You, you have no Space Mountain. You have no Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, which is there now. You, know, you don't have any of that stuff. Um, and even now, you know, Disney World has more lands. They've expanded Fantasyland. You know, they, they had added Mickey's Toontown, which, which went away. 
uh, for the Fantasyland expansion. They've they've kind of grown the park uh, from its original size. You know, Tron is going in now, which is going to make the the park even bigger. So, sure, you could spend three billion dollars today, but it's is it going to be a park that people are going to want to go to uh, as much as they go to the Magic Kingdom now? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, the the interesting thing is, you know, speaking of pricing, I looked at what tickets cost. So a ticket for opening day uh, costs three dollars and fifty cents. Uh, and CNBC <laughs> has an article of how much a Disney World ticket costs the year you were born. So every year. So we'll put a link in the description for that if you want to see what a ticket price was the year you were born. No, no way to make you feel older faster. Yeah. <laughs> But so it's $3.50, which is $23 um, in today's value. But the interesting thing is that didn't get you on the rides. That just got you in the park. So you had to then pay additionally for a ticket book to ride the rides. And this is where the whole term e-ticket attraction comes in. Because you'd get a ticket book and you'd have A, B, C, D, and E tickets. Okay, yep. Like a, like a carnival almost. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah you'd, have, yeah, you'd have a certain number of tickets to ride the rides. And the e rides were always the best attraction. So that was the most expensive ticket. That's what you got the, the fewest of, but you had to pay two ride rides, which I kind of found interesting. And, you know, in, in this world of where we're talking about Disney genie and having to pay extra to get on a ride. And, you know, a lot of people saying, Oh, this is crazy that they're making us pay to ride a ride. Well, when, when Disneyland opened and when Disney world opened, you had to do that. It was $3 and 50 cents to get in, but then you had to pay if you wanted to ride attractions. And so it's kind of interesting that Disney's going back to that a bit. And it's something that, that is in the kind of foundation of the park to pay to ride. So you're essentially paying for the atmosphere. You pay for the atmosphere. And then if you want to do things over and above that, then you pay for the experiences within the atmosphere. And an e-ticket um, costs around $6 in today's dollars. So you know the talk of maybe 10 to $15 per attraction, it's a little bit more than that. But it's not completely out of line for what Disney charged. And so it's interesting and it's a it's a model I'm surprised Disney hasn't tried again. Like I, I feel like they're they're trying a little bit with, with the Disney Genie Plus, but I wonder if people would be willing to pay per ride if ticket prices were less. So it seemed like you know, a, a, just to get in the park, again, it was $23 in today's dollars versus, you know, $120 now for a one-day ticket. But you get all the rides included. But like, I almost wonder if Disney charged $50 to get in, would merch sales and food sales and, and ride sales, like, would they make up for it? Like, would people be willing mm-hmm. to pay more if ticket prices were less? But then again, they basically have to turn people away now anyways to get into the park. So I think that's why, you know, they don't do that. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that a lot of the reason why people, they moved away from that is the same reason why I think all inclusive hotels are important. Uh, people love all inclusive hotels. You don't have to really carry cash. I mean, you still have to pay for your food, um, unless you have a magic band, but I think that it's just a convenience factor. It's not, it's, it kind of it would stink to have to pay per ride. Yeah, and actually, according to uh, Yesterland.com, the reason why this actually got phased out is because of Six Flags. So Six Flags, when hmm. they opened Magic Mountain, I believe it was 1971. I think it was the same year that Magic Kingdom opened. They had just a flat ticket. So it was kind of you, you paid a ticket to enter the park, and it was unlimited rides. And that kind of changed 
the pricing model for the theme park industry. And so by 1982, Disney had fully phased out uh, at Disneyland and Walt Disney World the idea that you had to pay additional money for the attractions. But it, it is just interesting Thanks, how... Thanks, Six Flags. Yeah, but it's interesting, though, how it's cyclical, how Disney's kind of coming back with us now with Disney Genie, where the ticket gets you into the park. Yes, you can ride all the rides, but now if you want to ride the rides again or you don't want to wait in line, now you're paying per ride. So it's interesting. Again, you know, people are like, oh, this is something Disney would never do. But really, when the park first opened, that's how it ran. It, you, you paid per ticket. Now, again, the price to get in was a lot cheaper, though, uh, than it is today. Yeah, I, I will say that I did try to look up and see if there are any special food offerings for the 50th. It doesn't seem like right now I'm seeing really very much of that. I think that that's something that they definitely will probably start to roll out. If they don't serve a birthday cake for their 50th, that you can buy, I'm going to have a fit. I think they might have a birthday cake cupcake. I feel they, like I saw that somewhere, that it's a cupcake. I saw that they have a birthday cake outside of one of the parks. I can't remember, but it's not a real one. It's like a yeah, fake one. Yeah, it's a fake cake, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think that I, I'm hoping to try something about that because, you know, I feel like I need to celebrate with Disney with some really good food, some, some sweet treats and eats to, uh, you know, make it a little bit more special. Definitely. I think the good thing is that they did not turn the castle into a birthday cake again. Yeah. I think that was that was a good move on Disney's part. The castle looks a lot better um, with the was that twenty five? Yeah, than, than the birthday cake they did with the uh, the twenty fifth anniversary. So yeah, that was a disaster. All right, so I think that wraps up the show. Many of our listeners uh, head down for October first or any time, and they'd like to share you know their thoughts, um, what they enjoyed most about the fiftieth. Be sure to do that. You can head over to our website, enchantedears.com, uh, and there's a button there that you can contact us. You know, let us know your thoughts, and we'll we'll share it on one of the podcasts. I want to thank everybody again for listening this week. If you've not done so, please leave us a rating or a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps, and we really appreciate it. Thanks for letting us your ears. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.